Well, that was about half. It's time to That's right. It's time to engage. We are talking about spiritual warfare. It is real. Come on. It is real. The struggle is real. The father of lies is waging war against you, against your family. Oh, come on. Against your family. He desires to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. Destroy. And and he's got your name on it. All right? It is is real. He's not playing. Y'all know that, right? He's not playing. He is, he is on an all-out assault against you, against you. He really, really is. And so many times we blow it off, or maybe we dismiss it as, ah, it's not that big of a deal, until we find ourselves in a place, in a hole, and we turn around and go, how'd I get here? Anybody ever been there? A whole bunch of lying people. Anybody ever been there? You're like, how did I get here? It's that little bitty tiny steps that we don't even realize we're making. And then we turn around and go, wait a minute. I'm way off base here. I'm way off base. Um, and, And it really is. How did we get here? Well, we've said from the beginning that we got here because Satan constantly whispers lies to me. Everybody say, to me. All right? It's personal. It's to me. That back up what I think I need, which has become the norm in the world around us or in our own neighborhoods. Isn't that true? We've been digging this out for weeks and several weeks ago. Um, I, I said it like this, that the enemy is speaking lies, and those lies land in the part of our brain that has the ability to imagine, or to create, or to think outside the box, and in that part of our brain, we take the lie that is not real, and we create what we imagine to be true. And it becomes, the lie becomes what today's culture says, it is my truth. Y'all heard that, right? It's my truth. Well, it may be your truth and not be true. (laughs) Oh, come on. It can be your truth and it not be true on any level because it's based on a lie. It's a lie that, and then so often we live out that lie. And we have said that our enemies, it is the devil, it is the flesh, and it is the world. That's the three enemies that the scripture talks that Jesus, as we're looking at what Jesus teaches, um, it's what Jesus taught. That is it. And the devil, we said this, that the devil lie, he lies, 
And those lies are exposed as we put ourselves in a place of silence and solitude. When we get in front of the Father, His glory reveals those shadows. Are y'all hearing it? His glory reveals those shadows. And those shadows or those lies are rooted out and defeated through what? Prayer and Scripture, the Word of God. Do y'all believe the Word of God does it? That's right. It really is true. And then we've said also that the flesh shows up, and it shows up, this enemy shows up in our desires, in our pride, and it is defeated. Two big ways. There are others, but two big ways that we narrow down on is that it is defeated through what? Confession and? That's right. Through fasting, through showing our flesh who's boss. Amen? How many of you are still fat? I don't want you to raise your hand. But how many? Because I don't want you lying in church. But how many of you are starting to create a, a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline of fasting on a regular basis? Because I can, can, I don't know about you, but my flesh needs to know my spirit's in charge more than once a year. Oh, come on. Sometimes about once every 15 minutes. Oh, come on. Y'all be real with me, right? And fasting, starting a regular practice of fasting shows my flesh, you're not the boss. The spirit of the living God is the boss of me. And then healing comes as we confess to one another, the scripture says. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So last week, Jen jumped into the enemy of the world. The world, the culture around us and how we can get stuck in it. And I, I, as she was giving one of the examples last week, I got to thinking that in my house growing up, we watched I Love Lucy all the time. Anybody else? Some in the room were like, I don't even know what that is. That was back before color, right? Because it was black and white and all of that. Well, I Love Lucy, in the I Love Lucy show when I was growing up, do you realize the bedroom scenes in that show had two separate twin beds? You mean scenes in the bedroom because they really weren't bedroom scenes. No, they weren't bedroom scenes. She was normally like cleaning or tearing something up, you know? I mean, they never ever showed them in bed, and, and they never, but you just knew that in their bedroom there was two twin beds. Which even for that culture was not true in most people's world, you know? But, but they, in the culture of that, when they created and wrote that show, in that culture, it was deemed inappropriate to assume that a man and a woman married would actually be in bed. You know? That like, okay, we're just not going there. 
because that's kind of inappropriate. That's private. We're going to keep that out. And so there was two twin beds. And now in our culture, um, the, the study, one study that I read said that the average church-going American, church-going American, will watch four, three or four sexual acts of people that are not married, even in character, two people that are not married in the movie, that are not married in the show, that we will see an average of four of those a day as believers. And that number triples through media and our phones. So potentially 30 times a day, church-going America sees illicit sexual acts of non-married people. And it's become the norm in the neighborhood. And the thing is, I'm as guilty as anybody. We really don't think much of it. We don't gasp at it. It's just kind of normal. And I, and I think about it kind of like, as Jen was explaining last week, it's kind of like the proverbial uh, frog in the boiling pot. You know, that from I love Lucy till today, that, that it has grown, the pot has grown hotter and hotter and hotter, and now is boiling, trying to kill us, and we didn't even realize it got hot. Because it happens so slowly. Man, the enemy's good. Right? He's good at what he does. At the lies. And then we feel like, well, we can't say anything. That's just normal. And that's part of the lie. It really, really is. Um, and and here's, here's the thing, Jim. We, we wanted you to come back this week. <laughs> because um, one is... I, we we kind of ran out of time. We had so much happening last week. But more than that, I just really, you introduced an idea that I think is so powerful and so amazing. And and the way you the way you said it really captured me. And it was it was this that we are the church, the body of Christ, we are a beautiful resistance. A beautiful resistance to the world, the culture uh, around us. And the scripture, when she said that, the scripture just jumped into my, my mind that, that resist the devil. I'll say it like this, because I think it fits. Resist the devil, resist the flesh, resist the world, and he flees. But we are to be a beautiful resistance, a godly resistance. So let's talk about that. An invitation. Yeah. Right? An invitation for others to join us in, uh, in resisting the devil, our flesh, and the world. Yeah. So just to recap a few things from last week, um, the world can mean the planet, the world can mean the people on the planet, but when we say engage against the world, we're talking about the culture, 
that we're living in that has been corrupted by sin. Uh, our, our key scripture last week, John chapter 17. Oh, I have two hands this week. This is going to be fun. <laughs> John chapter 17. Uh, Jesus, remember, he's praying for us. And this yeah. is what he says to his father. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Yeah. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth, the word of God. Teach them your word, which is truth. And then kind of this is where we focus. Just as you sent me into yeah. the world, I am sending That's them right. into the world. Yeah. And then why, we said last week, did he send us into the world? And Matthew 28 captures it. He came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, That's right. go That's right. and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, right. even to the end of the age. That's good. So, as a recap, can we just agree on these things? The world, that's the corrupt culture we live in. Yep. Yes? Oh. Right? That's right. <laughs> The plan for the disciples of Jesus has always been to be in this corrupt culture. That's right. We agree with that? That's right. He sends us into the world to engage people with his love and make disciples. Right. He says, you go, and wherever you go, be light bearers, love givers, disciple makers. That's right. And he intends for us to live in this world together. In community. So that's kind of the recap from last week. We talked about this just a little bit. When we follow Jesus together, we are able to discern Jesus' truth from the lies of Satan. That's right. When you're hanging out with other people who are seeking to live differently just like you are, it's easier to recognize a lie when you're all studying the truth together. We help each other override the flesh by the Spirit. When I'm living in life-giving community and I'm going to go mortgage my house so that I can buy a new car, <laughs> those people around me go, hey, you know, have you thought about that? <laughs> yeah. That happens when we're living in life-giving commu life community and we're doing this together. And then also we form a joyful community of deep relationships that function as a counterculture to this world. I love that. Counterculture. Counterculture yes. to this world. Um, we know that the culture is corrupt. And so we are the ones who show a different way. When yeah. we are living in a joyful community of deep relationships, we are that counterculture. That's right. We are the beautiful resistance. And even the word church or ecclesia in Greek, and I think this is a fill-in for you, it means those who are called out. That's right. So just by calling us his church, he's saying, you are called out. I've, I've sent you to the world, but I'm also calling you out to show the world a different way to live. 
And when we do that, then we are a beautiful resistance. Right. I lost the slide. It's uh, okay. <laughs> I, it just, it's not there. Okay. Um, and I want to tell you, we said this last, last week, we are called to be a prophetic signpost yeah. to the kingdom life. And so what I want to talk about a little bit this week is that means we're not just against evil. That's right. We're not just the people who say, no, 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 bad, bad, bad. We are for good. That's right. And I think that's a big difference. We are called to be the prophetic signpost to kingdom life that says, hey, the way you're living, is that's your way, but there's a better way. That's right. And it's good. We are for love, right? That's right. We're for joy. We are for thriving marriages right. and families. Yeah. We're for showing a different way to live, not self-centered, not living for ourselves, giving into our flesh all the time. No, we are called to yeah. be people of love, That's right. people who know what real freedom is, and we live in that freedom. Right. We are called to be people who want justice for everyone. And we want unity, even when people don't look or think just like me. That's right. We're called to be salt in this <laughs> That's world. That's right. That's right. We are the light bearers. We are the reflection of Jesus Christ. But we are called to be salt in this corrupt culture. Do you know, and if you're a great cook, then just go with me, right? <laughs> but when you use salt properly, do you know what it does? It, it tastes enhance. better. But it brings out the real flavor of That's the right. food. That's right. Now, see, we said last week, and it's true, that the world right now is Satan's domain. Yeah. Only because... Our Father has given it to him for this time. But this world does not belong to him. <laughs> That's right. This world was not created by him. He That's just right. has reign of it for a time. Yeah. That's right. And Jesus says that we are the salt. And so I believe when we live as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world, we are giving this world a taste of what the real world will be like. <laughs> there you go. Because what's going to happen at the end? That's right. Well, we don't know, I just want to say. Yeah. <laughs> but some things we can figure out. And Satan, he will no longer be the ruler of this world. He's <laughs> going to be right. cast out. That's right. And Jesus says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. earth. That's right. And so we are giving people a taste of what that new earth is going to look like when we... Do what we have been called to do, which is be in this Good. world yeah. and be the salt right. of the earth and, and show the people of this world a different way. That's right. So this week, we just want to dig a little deeper into the beautiful resistance. And um, when we decide that we are going to embrace the idea of living life in a different way, 
And we're offering a signpost to the world of how things can be different. Here's some ways that we can do that. A community of deep relationships and a culture of isolation. Yeah. You know, long before March of 2020, <laughs> um, we, we were moving into isolation, right? Yeah. Uh, with technology, and technology is not the enemy, but with the way we use technology and the way that we uh, have been kind of giving into this untrue idea of community by connecting on our phones, connecting digitally, we have been moving into isolation. Yeah. And then that was kind of the perfect storm for March of 2020 when we were literally <laughs> put into isolation. But can I just tell you, that isolation is continuing to impact us. Yes. And we are continuing to stay distant from people, not six foot and all of that, but we are not uh, engaging in community. Yeah. It's become the norm for us to say hi from a distance and talk about our day and our kids and show pictures and do all of that stuff. But when it really comes to the matters of the heart to go, mm, yeah. I've got this, I, I can handle this. Yeah. But can I tell you that the beautiful resistance is a community of deep relationships in a culture of isolation. Yeah. We choose to meet together with other Jesus followers and we choose to confess our failures to each other. Not to give somebody something to hold over my head, but to obey the word of God that says, as I do that, That's right. healing That's comes. Right. And then when a brother or sister confesses their failure or their struggle with me, I offer love, I offer understanding, I offer hope, and even if you don't think you can, Holy Spirit uses you to offer wisdom to them, and all of a sudden you have a thought or an idea where you can see things maybe a little bit different than they can. That is what it looks like. That is a community of deep relationships, and that's what we're called to be. A circle, last week I defined, a circle is a web of committed relationships woven together with the love of Jesus who are determined to practice his ways for the renewal of the world. That's right. That's a mouthful, <laughs> That's good. but it is true. When we live in community and we are woven together with the love of Jesus, that kind of life, it does renew the world around us. Yes. Your community begins to look, your home begins to look different. And can I say that we also, we choose to believe the way of Jesus is better, even if I don't want to do it. <laughs> Has anyone in the room ever had to do something that you didn't want to do? How many of us 
weekly. Are you we, talking like yesterday? Like yesterday. Okay. That's right. No. <laughs> we, that's the way life is sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, everything that is required of me, either through my job or what, whatever, I don't always want to do. Sometimes you just got to do what you don't want to do. <laughs> Zoe um, just got a new puppy. Uh, <laughs> we love dogs at our house. And they had their youth retreat this weekend, the R3 retreat, which, yes. by the way, was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have already heard some testimonies from that. Uh, just the way the Holy Spirit moved and worked. And uh, I love that. But so, Zoe. Uh, ministering to students this weekend. I'm so glad that she did. But she, that means the puppy <laughs> was with me. And can I tell you that yesterday morning, uh, I'm also going to just say, Jared is back from Africa after being gone two weeks. I'm a baby when he's gone, so I'm glad he's home. And we got home late Friday night, and yesterday morning, I did not want to get out of bed to go let that puppy out. To do his, her business. But can I tell you, I knew that in the end, I want a dog who is potty trained. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to clean up a mess in the kennel. So I said, you know, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to get up and I'm going <laughs> to take care of business because I know that in the long run, this is the good thing. That's right. And I'm working for Junie being able to sit in my lap. And me not have to worry about what she's going to go do in the rest of the house. That's right. Can I tell you that there are times, and I know this last month, we have uh, talked about a lot of stuff, and so many of us are embracing it, and we're experiencing new things. But can I also say that a lot of it is daunting? And a lot of times that we go, man, that just seems like a lot of work to me. I think I'd rather just, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right where I'm yeah. at. But I just want to encourage you. We recognize and we choose to believe that the way of Jesus is better even if we don't want to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's reward for doing what Jesus tells us to do. Amen. That's right. That's right. The beautiful resistance is also a community of holiness in a culture of self-indulgence. Wow. Holy means set apart or different. So I just want to say that the way we live should look different from our neighbors. It doesn't mean it has to be 180 degrees different, but like the way we spend our money should be different. How we spend our time should be different. How we talk should be different, and I'm not necessarily even talking about certain words. I'm just saying what comes out of us right. should be hope yeah. and love and That's joy. Right. The way we talk should be different. Yeah. Not despairing, not complaining, not accusing. Yeah. The way we talk should be different. That's right. How we do social media should be different. Yeah. You know I like to talk about social media. <laughs> But it's not the enemy. Yeah. So the way we do social media should be different. Everything we do should look just a little different. And I want to say really specifically how we do marriage and family, yes. sex and singleness 
all of those things, how we do those things should look different. That's right. It should be right. different. Nancy Piercy, this is uh, just a quote, but I thought it's so, um, I agree with this. What we, the body of Christ, do with our sexuality is one of the most important testimonies we give to the surrounding world. That's, that's good. See, a lot is being said about sexuality, about marriage and family and singleness and hooking up or not. Yeah. There's a lot being said. It's a big subject. And so we, family, body of Christ, we should be thinking about that and knowing that what we do and how we how we live out family and life and sexuality is super important. Yes. The beautiful resistance is a community of order and a culture of chaos. So true. Anybody uh, believe that it's chaotic right now? Yeah. Anybody experienced some chaos? <laughs> Look, yeah. the, dev the devil is in charge right now. And chaos is one of the ways that he keeps us all stirred up. That's right. And so it's not surprising that this world is a world of chaos in a lot of ways. Yeah. But we have the opportunity right now, today, <laughs> to offer stability, right. to offer structure to the world around us. We have the great opportunity because of Holy Spirit living in us to offer peace in a time of anxiety, yes. to offer freedom, real freedom, in a time of excess all of that excess and giving into my flesh, we learned a few weeks ago, it just becomes chains that hold on to me. Right. But we show, we can show this world what real freedom looks like. And I just want to throw back, it's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. It was January of 2020, so it was before <laughs> everything shifted. Yeah. We started out, if you remember, and I know you do because you have shirts, That's right? right. That's right. 2020 at three miles an hour. That's right. We started out that way. We had no idea it was actually going to be literally <laughs> That's three right. miles <laughs> We didn't know what was coming. But I just want to remind you, we talked way back then about yeah. a rule of life. Yes. And remember, it's not rules. It's a rule or a regulator. It's a, it's a way to choose how we live. That's right. A schedule, a set of practices or disciplines that help us organize our lives around Jesus' invitation to abide. That's right. Good. So just think about that. Maybe even go back, see if you can find those, those teachings from yeah. early 2020. Yeah. This is what a community of order and a culture of chaos looks like. We know why we do what we do. We know what we're living for. We know what we long for and what we're believing for for the eternal. And so we set up our life with practices that say that that's the most important and then give ourselves um, routines to live it out. This is the beautiful resistance. That's right. We are a counterculture. We are the beautiful resistance who are determined to practice the ways of Jesus for the renewal 
of the world, but for the renewal of our family, of our town, Mina. That's who we are. We offer an alternate reality, one steeped in love, in joy, hope, acceptance, forgiveness, all the things that all of us are searching for. That's who we are, a prophetic signpost to kingdom life in a culture of death. So true. Amen? So, so true. I was thinking about this, um, and, and we, were, we were talking, you know, Romans chapter 1 paints a picture of this whole series, you know, in a, in a pretty uh, hard-to-swallow kind of way. Uh, it, it really does. About the lie, about our flesh, um, about what's become the norm in the neighborhood, and oh, oh, okay, the scripture's not there. All right, that's okay. We're working well, together and learning how. We to are work learning together. how to do this together. But I will just read it then, um, and you can find it if you if you can find it back there. I would really appreciate it. Romans one. Uh, 21, we're, we're actually going to go all the way to the end of the chapter if you want to just load it and hang on to it. I'm going to actually start, though, in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 21, kind of in the middle of that. And, and I want you to hear this. Here's, here's what it says. They began to think up foolish ideas, and this is in the NLT. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. <laughs> Is that not our culture? They think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. They became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them. I love that King James says that God gave them over to. Gave them over to. Or or one other translation I really like. It said, God let them have what they really wanted. They let them have, he let them have, and he let them do whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. I want everybody to read that with me really loud, all together, ready, go. They traded the truth about God for a lie. He is the father of lies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen? 
That is why God abandoned or let them have these shameful desires, turned them over to their shameful desires. Even the woman turned against the natural way of having sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish. You know, I was reading this and, I, and I, it, I had flashback to a series that we did several years ago where, where I had chairs on the stage. And remember we were looking at Proverbs and where Solomon says that every one of us right now are sitting in one of three chairs. You're sitting in one of three seats this very minute. You're either sitting in the seat of the wise and the wise hear knowledge, and apply truth. That's a wise man. They apply the truth. A scoffer, in, in Proverbs, a scoffer, Solomon says, is a man that doesn't know and doesn't care. Just makes fun of those people that think they know. That's a scoffer. And then the third seat that you may be sitting in is the seat of the fool. And the fool is one that knows and does the opposite. They know the truth, but they do the opposite. That is a fool. And here he's saying they were utter fools. Not just normal fools. <laughs> they were utter fools. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Next one. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, Malicious behavior and gossip. Verse 30. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. Verse 31. They refuse to understand. They're hard-headed. They break their promises, they're heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve death, yet they do them anyway. Worse than that, they encourage others to do them also. Man, that's heavy. It's heavy. It is such a picture of the world, the flesh, the enemy. But here's what I find interesting. 
Did you miss the little nuance in there? See, we can go through that list and go, that's right. Those sinners out there. All those bad, evil people, and I love Jen said it, but not in this way last week. We should never be shocked when lost people act lost. We should only be shocked when Christians act lost. And do you realize, you said it, you read it with me, these were people that knew God. Not those sinners out there. You're like, that vile list? Yep. Yep. Because here's the thing. You read it. It said they traded the truth about God for the lie. You can't trade something you don't have. So they at least had some knowledge of God or some head thought about God. They understood some things about God. Maybe they sat in church and said, yeah, I believe about God. But then you read this list of all of these things that are the flesh, the world, the devil, all of those things. And you go, how in the world did they get there? How did they get there? They had some knowledge of God, you know. And he wrote this to the church at Rome, <laughs> you know. So, so what is up with that? Well, back at the very beginning, if you can go back to verse 21 for me, I would appreciate it. The very beginning of verse 21, I think, is so key. And it's really so much of what we're landing on. Uh, thank you guys for working with us today. Uh, it says this. Yes, they knew. Oh, come on. Y'all aren't believing me. Believe those scripture. You're like, Really? Really? Yes. They knew. They knew God. They had some knowledge of who he was at least. But they wouldn't worship him as God. Or even give him what? Thanks. They didn't worship and they didn't give thanks. And the result was vile sins. <laughs> really? Yeah. They didn't worship him as God, nor did they give him thanks. So interesting to me. You know, I think that's partly why we focus so much on worship here. I, I don't know if you realize it, but you may want to write this down. Um, oh, actually go to the fill-in, sorry. Um, worship is warfare. Do y'all believe that? Yes. Worship is warfare. Absolute warfare. It is warfare against the devil, my flesh. And the world, and you know what? Worship is a beautiful resistance. It is a beautiful way to resist the enemy. It really is. Um, when, when I look around during worship and I see people that are engaged in surrender to the creator, 
I'm like, oh, this is so good. But so often I look around and I see faces that show I wish this would hurry up and be over. Or I see half-hearted mouthing of the words. And it breaks my heart. Actually, it does more than break my heart. It scares me for you. Can I just say it like that? It scares me. You, you mean like surrendering and worship keeps me from going to these vile places? Oh, it's a big part of it. Acknowledging him as God? Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. When I, when I see <laughs> that we're more concerned and critical about those that are worshiping different than we do, well, he just can't stand still. I'm just not wired that way. No, I am constantly reminded of how screwed up I am and how holy he is. And all I can do is say, holy, holy, holy. Why is it important to throw your hands in the air and surrender? Because he's God and I'm not. And when I start thinking that I'm God, I get to make up my own truth. And I find myself in this vile, broken, junk, mess and wonder why how did I get there but starts with worship the word all those other things <laughs> and then it says nor were they thankful thanksgiving is not a day It's part of the beautiful resistance. When I am thankful that I get to live in America, I'm not nearly as critical. I pray for them instead of throw rocks. Come on. See, when I am not grateful, I look to other things that Romans just described. Well, God's probably not the creator, but maybe this other thing was. I'm not thankful for him as creator. I don't see him as God. So I get to make up my own truth and whatever that looks like, it's just okay. We try to fill a void because we refuse to let him be God. When I'm not grateful for my wife, I start looking for what's wrong with her. I start picking her apart. When I am not grateful for her, 
other things start looking better. Just telling you. You're like, how could somebody that have knowledge of God wind up in such a perverse situation of women with women and men with, with men? It's because when men no longer are grateful for women, perversion happens. When women are no longer grateful for men, perversions happen. When I am not grateful, here's the thing, write this down. What I am grateful for, I care for. How do I know if I'm grateful for my wife? Do I die for her like Christ died for the church? Do I care for her? Do I serve her? Or do I take her for granted? When I'm grateful, how do I know if I'm grateful for my car? Take care of it, you clean it, change the oil, polish the rust. I'm serious. You're grateful. When I am grateful for the shack that I live in, whatever that looks like, could be a nice shack, could be a dumpy shack, I don't know. Can I just tell you, we all live in shacks compared to what he's building for us. So, when I, when I, I, do I care for it? Am I grateful? Because a heart of ungratefulness opens the door, I believe, to every single perversion. And a beautiful resistance is a community that love each other. A community that are grateful for our differences. A community that builds. Matter of fact, I think about it like this. If you took that list in Romans, the beautiful resistance. <laughs> Instead of hate, it's love. Instead of envy, it's giving. Instead of gossip, it's encouragement. In a beautiful resistance, instead of being proud, I'm humble to serve. In a beautiful resistance where I am grateful, instead of taking all I can get, I just give all that I can. In a beautiful resistance, I honor my mom and dad even in all their flaws. It's a beautiful resistance. And all of that, flows from a heart of gratitude that comes out in worship to the Creator, to who He is. So what does that look like, Jen? Worship and gratitude are certainly part of the beautiful resistance, right? Both of these are important practices of a Jesus-following community. Worship and gratitude, they enable us to wage war for our souls. They are spiritual warfare. Yeah. And worship is not just something that we do for a set amount of time on a Sunday. That's right. 
It's the very way that we live our lives. It's the very way that we live our lives. Everything I do can be worship to my Father. When I see my husband or my children, when I see my laughing or my crying, my eating, my drinking, my sleeping, everything that I do as worship to God, when I see it that way, then it changes how I do those things, right? Just like you said, this is warfare. And this is a part of the way that we fight these spiritual battles. And the same with being grateful, choosing to focus on something to be grateful for, even when my current circumstances are hard or bad, that is waging warfare for my soul. Looking around at all of the bad, that just leads me to more bad, and I agree with you to perversion. But when in the midst of the bad or the good or wherever I am, if I find something to be grateful for, yes. that's choosing to wage war yeah. for my soul. And of course, when we're grateful, we're, we're actively fighting greed and self-centeredness, of course. But do you know, it also impacts our minds. And I am much less likely to feel despair when I'm focusing on being grateful. So we're going to talk about a few practices for this week. And as we do, I just want to emphasize that we are in a great spot. We are. That's right. I know what the world looks like around us. I know that a lot of things seem to be going from bad to worse. And if we want to, we can find plenty to be mad about. We can even find a lot of things to be afraid of. But what if the beautiful resistance sees things differently? What if we are standing on the brink of an incredible opportunity? What if, what if God is in fact at work? Yeah. Even here, even now, we are in a moment where anything can happen. Sure. Anything can happen. And as we, you and me, with our circle of people woven together in the love of Jesus, as we live differently, we offer a testimony of hope. That's right. And as we practice these disciplines that are, are in fact spiritual warfare, we are the prophetic signposts That's right. that life can be different, That's right. that things can be better. So as we're moving into practices, I just want us to look ahead with excitement That's right. and anticipation and hope and I believe the Crossing, Mena, Arkansas family, I believe we're stepping into our finest hour. That's right. 
I do. I believe that Jesus is at work making us more like him so that he can do what he wants to do in our community. Thank you.